0: This is Belonging, a podcast that explores being alive in the age of loneliness. I'm your host, Becca Piastrelli, a writer, mother, and community tender currently living on the ancestral lands of the Coast Miwok people in present day Marin County, California. In this show, we explore topics like rites of passage, cultivating meaningful community, seasonal and cyclical living and what it means to be a good ancestor in these times. I have thought-provoking conversations with friends, teachers, elders, and ancestral medicine keepers to help support you in bringing more meaning and connection to your life. I also pop in here and there to share updates and learnings from my own story, because we were meant to do this together, cosmically holding hands as we walk the spiral of life you can expect to be challenged by new or old ideas. Face your beliefs and what systems informed them. Get curious and brave to tell the truth about the deeper, harder things and feel comforted in the knowing that you don't have to navigate it all alone. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Belonging. It's Becca Piastrelli here, really feeling the shift here seasonally from spring to summer here in Northern California. I often begin my intros, if you've noticed, by talking about seasonally what I'm feeling and what I'm seeing and what I'm sensing. So if you're someone who's like, why should I talk about the weather? I actually think we need to normalize talking about the weather and not seeing it as something awkward or like filler but actually a way for us to reweave the threads of connection to the living world, even though we are in our, you know, well plumbed and temperature controlled homes for which we are grateful. I'd say most of us, but not all of us. Right. There is a way in which noticing how the land is responding and moving through its seasonal cyclicality, wherever you are, even if you're on the equator that reconnects us to, you know, outside of the boxes that have the processors and the beeps and the boops and the, you know, um, the, the robots. What am I saying? The computers, <laughs> you know, we're not computers. We are ancestral animals and we are seasonal and cyclical too. So here I am in this practice of saying to you, it is the beginning of June, 2022 in the Gregorian year and I feel summer. I feel the ripening of the fruit. Although my garden, which was completely wiped out and I had to start over again three weeks ago by a heat wave. And then I was gone and I planted the seedlings too soon, you know, garden drama. My garden is a late blooming garden because it faces North. And so the sun's just hitting it now. So we're getting the flowers and the butterflies and the pollinators, bees buzzing like crazy and, and the pollination happens. So the fruit is just coming. But I feel in my body, the slowdown. And I've, I have to tell you, I felt a little sad about the slowdown coming a little too quickly. So this is just my seasonal cyclical story of every year as the wheel turns, finding my way through it and unlearning all this stuff from the system I was born into. I've been really jazzed this past spring. I've been really jazzed to bring you amazing conversations on this podcast. I've been super into sharing information on social media. I've gotten really into recording videos on Instagram. It's been a really beautiful way to be creative and expressive. I've loved reviving my newsletter that I renamed slow and seasonal and really have made it a devotional way to connect with my email list. I was so pumped to launch Tending the Flame, the home practice. I'm really pumped about this workshop, this live workshop that I'm reviving and teaching at the end of June. If you're listening to me around the time that this is published, Passage Craft, which is my two and a half hour weekend workshop where I bring together people who want to create their own ritual to bring more meaning to a moment in their lives, whether it's in the
1: past
0: or coming up. Uh, It's something I really love. And I'm feeling energy in my body, energy and capacity to hold space and teach live and feel connection. So if you're interested in that, link in the show notes or go to Passagecraft, those two words to make one word, I made it up.com, Passagecraft.com if you're interested in joining us. But yeah, I, I have felt so pumped. I'm really healing and coming back alive. And a lot of that has to do with my wellness protocol that I've really put into place of, um, maybe I'll share that someday soon, but I just have to say all my love to the mushroom world. They have been um, very, very supportive to me. So I'm feeling better and feeling excited. And then, summer slowdown is starting to say, hi, it's time to rest and play and be in the garden and eat fruit with your child in a pool and go adventuring in rivers. And yeah, just feel that and want to honor that. And there's this excitement I have in, the, in working again, frankly, working. And, and I love my work uh, that makes me resist, you know, that feeling of like the day is done, but you're so jazzed and you're working. Like I just want to keep going, and then you keep going, and then you're like, "Whoa, that was too long. I went too far. I haven't eaten or drank water, or I've had too much coffee, or you know, I'm crashing hard." And so I'm feeling a little sadness that the playful summer is arriving, and also like, "Wow, that was wow, Becca, way to go on a great spring season for you, and way to follow." way to follow your body's cues. I'm like literally patting myself right now, my body and really trusting that the slowness. Okay. So this is for me. I'm not telling you how to do your summer and I'm not telling you how to do your spring, particularly if your body is in a different season because I was in winter for a while, but uh, trusting that me slowing down over summer always serves the harvest of fall for me. So trusting what is happening there and just trying to manage all this new excitement and creativity that's flowing upwards in me, the sap rising kind of a feeling. It's very exciting. It's a little overwhelming. And I'm remembering to play with it, play with it. Yeah, and savor what's here right now. So that's actually a pretty great way to segue into this episode today. It's a conversation with my friend, Tracy Benjamin, otherwise known as Shutterbean on the internet like tracy is like old school food blogger one of the big ones and shutterbean on instagram and probably other places and she's been blogging for a long time and a uh, food blogger but that that has shifted and i like once like worshipped her <laughs> when i was like you know she was just one of the big ones back when i used to be a blogger called the dabblist maybe shout out to those of you who knew me back then or followed me back then uh, and then we became friends we became friends. Uh, and I, I watched her go through some massive experiences and she watched me go through some massive experiences and we happened to live one town over from each other. And then I witnessed her and her grief after her mother died. Her mother died very suddenly in 2017, right before Thanksgiving, She'll share the story. And I watched her grieve openly not privately as a friend, but mostly openly. And she created this hashtag Keep grief weird. And I watched how she was just did such a service and felt such a connection through her grief story of losing her mother, her mother's death. And so we have been trying to record this episode for like eight months and just like a flat tire would happen, or I'd have to cancel, or, you know, Alice wouldn't sleep well and I couldn't, you know, form words or whatever it is, or or you know, we weren't ready. You know, a tender moment happened, a grief trigger. So finally I went over to her house. With all my gear and sat in her beautiful, what she calls her playroom, her art room. It was her childhood playroom that is now, because she lives in the house she grew up in, which is now her office. And we hit record and talked. So consider this your content warning for anyone who is maybe feeling tender around this. I think it's an incredibly supportive conversation where you can listen to her story and it's hard. It's a hard one to listen to. It's also beautiful and filled with a full range of emotions. Uh, but if, if today is feeling tender around maybe a loss you've experienced, you can wait or skip. I just, I think whether you've lost someone or not, we all will, you know, we all, this will touch us grief or death and grief touches us all. And that's something I'm really, it's important in my work, in my writing and in my podcast that we consistently are reminded of that in this death phobic grief phobic society that despite our best efforts we can't protect ourselves from these things and so how do we lean into and embrace it as much as we embrace birth so i think this is an episode i've really been looking forward to bringing to you with that intention with that deep prayer for us all to make relatives with to be in deeper relationship with death whatever that means for you so um snuggle up or keep driving (laughs) you're like me you're listening to this when you're driving and let's dive into this conversation with tracy benjamin of keeping grief weird i'm so happy to be in person talking to you person person to person body to body
1: we're exchanging energy in
0: person. It's really nice. We're in your magical
1: playroom. office. I
0: call it playroom. That was your childhood playroom because yeah. you're living in the home that you grew up in.
1: Yes. So this is my office. And I have exercise equipment in here that I don't use. That we won't show. Yeah. You won't see it. It's yeah. just, I just accidentally told you about that. But literally behind my desk is a Peloton. Ooh. and
0: it's just always in my frame unless i decide to cover it and i
1: you have that nice um, backdrop in your videos that i like it's such a pain to put up i barely put it oh, up oh yeah have you ever dropped any of those plants or like yeah and i also <laughs> pulled out my chair and i hit it and it just oh, fell over no. and
0: everything crashed oh. and soil went everywhere and it was on a oh. zoom live oh, no. for my book launch and oh, no. i and i just I froze with a weird smile on my face. like, Yeah. And I just waited for someone to tell me what to do. And someone was like, Becky, okay? I was like, okay, yeah, I'll I'll fix that.
1: Yeah, this modern day life these days with Zoom and all kinds of things like that. Yeah, so it's great to be in person with you. How long have I known you? I don't know. It's been a long time. I've been blogging for like 15 years. So probably, I think I met you in 2012. 2012. Whoa. 10 years. That's crazy. Yeah. Cooper was teeny. Yeah. He's 13 now. So he was like three. I think I, maybe I moved here when I had met you. Was you her? had just moved back to Marin. Oh, okay. Because you were in the South Bay. I was like deep in the trauma. Yeah. <laughs> and I was in Oakland. Yeah. In fast
0: paced world.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. And when did you make it to Marin? 2016. Okay, you had a cute place in Mill Valley. I had a cute little witch cottage, yeah. with mold, but, but it was oh, cute. Oh no! <laughs> well, you know, but you were like so close to the library. That it was, was amazing.
0: great. It was fun. I had lots of gatherings there. It
1: had that place had really good energy. It did. Yeah, I think it was like right near Josephine Street, which was. is like my grandma's name, and so I always was like, "Oh, what's up, Joe?" <laughs> is that I, your mom's mom? No, it was my dad's mom. Gosh. She was like. Well, Italian like, grandma, I learned how to cook from her. Her meatballs are what broke my four-year vegetarian streak in college. So yeah, wait, like,
0: what's that story? You saw them and you were like, "I was, I was home
1: from summer, and I was the dorm food." um I went to University of Oregon, and the dorm food was like real gross back then. I don't know what it is like now. Oh my god, um, all it's I, it's I probably ate was fluff or nutter
0: sandwiches oh, every really? day.
1: There was like a soft serve machine, which was really awesome. But I did not eat well there because the meat was gross. And so then I became a vegetarian at the end of college, like the first year. And then I gained like, you know how it's like freshman 15. I gained like 20 sophomore. <laughs> yeah. Because we had like these coupons for free cheese pizza and part of being a vegetarian for me it was like having cheese all the time and so sure yeah i learned you know later on in life that i can't handle dairy very well so it was um ms anyways i came home from break or like a summer and my grandma she lived up in Novato, and she was like a food pusher and so her, She was, like, pushing meatballs on me, and I was like, oh, my God, I haven't had, like, a real meatball in a long time. And I was, like, sentimental, missed home. And so, yeah, I had her meatballs and then slowly dipped my way back into eating meat and learned about, like, my blood type and protein and all that stuff. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that you're bringing up your grandmother's meatballs. And the story I know. Where did that, that, that did. come from? No, but it makes – okay, so the reason I'm here – yeah is to is you've lost your mother, she yes died.
1: yeah,
0: and you have been sharing over the years since she died your grief process, yeah, and you have this hashtag keep grief weird mm, mm-hmm. and you're also a like pretty legit food blogger, so much more than that at this point. But that, for a while, that's what you were. Yeah.
1: Before, my mom died in 2017. And at that time in my life, I was super into food blogging. And when she died, my mom died during Thanksgiving week. She technically died on Black Friday. But that whole week, we were in the hospital with her. And so my relationship with food really got messed up when... She died because it was Thanksgiving week. And that's like, as a food blogger, it's like your Super Bowl, you know? It's a big event. I was having people over. My brother was coming home for the first time in like 13 years. And my mom was really excited to have Thanksgiving. And my mom was like super traditional. And when my dad found my mom, um my mom died of sepsis in her stomach, but she was going into shock, and my dad found her, and she was making pumpkin pie and so it was wow. like and then the whole process of like driving to the hospital and you know my mom flatlined a couple of times, it was just like very traumatic and also like. I had, like, a 27-pound turkey in my refrigerator, you know? I was about to have a bunch of people over, and then I went from, like, entertaining mode into like, holy crap, your mom is dying. And so it was really tough for me because I had... um I was opening up my Instagram, and um, I was, like, in the hospital, and people were like, oh, my mom's in town for Thanksgiving. And, like, I was sitting there waiting to hear back from the doctors if my mom's brain was going to be alive, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it really messed up my relationship with food and, like, traditions and family and all of it. It tore my world apart. So I... Uh, really disconnected from the food space because food to me was like always a celebratory thing and a sign of love. And it became a coping mechanism. I ate many cheesesteaks during the first few months of my mom's death. And I also just like uh, lost my village when she died. So she was the person in my life who fed me. And um, she had me over and she fed me food. And as somebody who is in the food blogging space, it's like so rare that people invite me over and feed me because that's like my prowess, you know? People feel really inadvertently like uncomfortable to feed me because they feel like I have higher standards because I post well-edited photos of food. So when... My mom died, I really like abandoned my relationship with food and I tried to figure out like if I don't feed myself who feeds me and I realized like I have to feed myself. So, yeah, it was a wild thing. Um that was a tangent, but well, I'm like about to burst into tears. <laughs> wow. Um one of the aspects that's been a big struggle is that i've been the only female left in my family my dad is getting remarried and my brother has a wife and my husband has me and my child has me but everybody has a female in their life that they can count on and um, help nourish them and just replenish them and i had to find that within myself and i'm still trying to find it because it's it's rough my mom Neglected herself. She took care of everybody. And when she was gone, it was like nobody knew how to do anything for themselves anymore. And I had to pick up the slack because, you know, people needed a moming figure. But when you're doing everything for everybody else, you don't give people practice taking care of you. And that was like the biggest lesson my mom taught me is that it's so easy to take somebody for granted when you haven't experienced life without them. And so it's been a rough and rude awakening. My mom was really the only person in my life that gave me that un- unconditional love and she was interested in my well-being. And so when she was gone, it was like nobody asked me how I was doing, you know? Because I was left with men and they didn't have the same emotional intelligence that my mom has had so anyways life has just been real different and it's been real weird without her and when I when she was dying in the hospital and the so from Thanksgiving to Christmas um, like during Christmas time I had to like write her obituary and we had to have her funeral and then her birthday came up so it was just like all jammed Packed in there and it was also the time of year where i'm supposed to make the most money on my blog because of blog traffic and i just was not feeling it it was i could not fake happiness i could not fake like hey, you know, here's a homemade gift for your family. I just couldn't do that. So I just started sharing my grief journey online, like just the realness of all of it. And I lost like 2000 people immediately um, because people don't really want to hear about death. And I totally get that. But I felt it was disingenuine to just go on with my life and pretend like I wasn't, experiencing major trauma. So um, I shared my path through grief, and it was incredible. I was connected to so many new and wonderful people who have also experienced loss because I was vulnerable in my experience. So it was fantastic, and it made me feel very supported by like, the spiritual world everything was aligning and, um, happening. And my mom was like above orchestrating some of these connections. Um, so yeah, it's been a real gift. Um, grief is just weird, you know, like weird things happen all the time. And my mom was also clairvoyant and we had a very psychic connection and, I witnessed her go through the death of all four grandparents. And so I was sort of well-versed in uh, the spirit world. And my mom kept the dead alive uh, because she was connected to them. That's also like the weird aspect that I'm coming to terms with is just learning about my gifts of being able to connect into spirit um, because of her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) thank you you for letting me get that off my chest that's it's a lot to carry it really is feel it
0: and we should say i i believe your mother i see photos of your mother oh yeah your altar
1: yes and then
0: you brought her with your her ashes
1: her ashes i have her ashes right here Um, next to you can i tell you something weird about that yes okay so as i was saying I witnessed my mom go through a bunch of deaths and she had a lot of reverence for people who had passed, but she also was like very forgetful and total, uh, like a closet hoarder. So she had our ashes of our cats, like Thomasina. Um, She had my uncle Bob, his ashes, and she didn't do anything with them, but she liked having them nearby and when she died, before she died, she said that she wanted to be with her dad. And I'm going to put her there one day. But I know that like, my mom would have never said like, I wish that you would just hang out with me and take my ashes. And you know, I want to be with you. I have her because I know that that's what she would do for me. And so it's not like something that you would necessarily instruct your child to do but i know that that's what she wants me to do does that make sense so um i will probably reunite her with her dad one day when i don't live in this house anymore Mm -hmm. but i really like having her here and it makes me happy So yeah. And you said before we recorded that you would like take her on errands with you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I took her on our first family trip um, without her. She like came with us and I um, put her on like the TV console area where all the games were. It's pretty funny. (laughs) anywho she it weighs a lot you felt that That's right what, yeah
0: you said have you had you ever held ashes before and i said oh, i've seen them but i've never held them and you said oh prepare yourself it's heavy and you popped open the box and you took out the bag and it has her name and her date of birth date of death her creation yeah. date and this like metal i don't know like charm yeah it, yeah it's like an id tag right? yeah and then you put it in my hands and I was like, whoa. Yeah. And then all I could think was like, this is her whole body. These are yeah. her
1: bones and her organs. And when I picked her up, I could just feel this like, oh thank God. Like, oh finally I'm like in the right care. Um, so I she came in this like emerald green velvet bag. Oof. Um, and so I just like put her in the front seat and put a seatbelt around her. And I drove around Aww. with her for like a while. It was pretty funny. I mean, it was really great, you know. Helpful.
0: Yeah. So she died really suddenly.
1: Yeah. And she, that, I mean, that's an yeah, yeah. She had had heart failure four years prior to dying, but her illness came out of kind of out of nowhere. I think that there was probably something else going on with her. Um, But my mom was very anti-medicine. And she knew that like, if she ever had cancer, she wouldn't have ever gone through any type of treatment. She didn't want to prolong a life if it was not going to be in her own terms. So I knew in the last year of her life that something was up. I could feel it and i just knew um there were a couple moments that just like really stuck out and a week before she died i had this dream that um i called her and she didn't answer and i was like why am i calling my mom she's dead and so i woke up like you know freaked out and i called her in real life and then um i had forgot that my parents were in hawaii and so i was able to talk to her like 3 times before Um, She passed, but I never got to have, like, you know, a closure. It just all happened, and, you know, she was just, like, taken away so fast. So it has been just real weird knowing that, like, I knew it was happening, but I also, in the last four years of my life, I actively worked on getting over being annoyed by her, Uh, My mom was just like, she had no chill. She was just like really, I don't know. My mom was a Capricorn. So everything was like, you know, activists kind of put your 120% into everything. So yeah, I, after she died too, it really messed up my blogging situation because I used to write knowing that she would be reading and um, she was I wrote things to make her laugh or I included little jokes into my narrative and I knew that like my mom was going to be reading it, you know. And so um after she was gone, I just I just look at my content from 2017 and before and it's like, "Oh, I was such a different person." So yeah, it's it's been grief is like did you, you saw Back to the Future, right? Yeah. Okay, so you know when like things shift, they mess up the time continuum, and then the photos in the picture, like people disappear in the photos. That's how grief feels. It's like I'm continuing to live this life. I live in the same house. I live in the same town. I have a child and everything. I'm living this life, but my mom's not here, and nothing really makes sense anymore without her. I think also I really, I lost my value buddy. So my mom, I realized like after my mom died, she was the one that was the anchor of our family values. And so I, the world is like so chaotic and it's just been crazy to experience it without her because she was my sense of hope too, you know? Like she wanted things to be okay, So that, like, our future was gonna be okay, so yeah, I've had to find a lot of that um within myself, and um trying to pep talk my kid through this life, too, so what's worked for you in in
0: okay, so what I'm hearing you say is you lost that anchor that mothering figure, that place of safety, that place of hope, that place of purpose, that place of meaning. And so you're, you're realizing, oh, I'm the matriarch now. I mean, I would use that word.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what's sure. working? What's working is evaluating old beliefs and seeing what rituals and traditions really Need to be perpetuated or abandoned. When you take out the women in my family, men don't have the same emotional capacity and way of like bringing magic into life and gatherings and all of that. So it's like what I learned is if I don't do something, something doesn't happen. So, like, if I don't host, and my mom, I heard her complain all of my life and um, be filled with like resentment every time she hosted and people didn't participate. So what I am learning is just like, it's okay if you don't have the traditional thing. What's worse is living in a space of resentment after doing everything for everybody and Is this making sense? Okay, so my mom every year would have Christmas and she would have her family over and it wasn't like a communal situation. Like she wouldn't see her family unless she created this party. And so for a week after the party, she would just be in her pajamas and just be like spent and also like digesting, like I can't believe... So and so didn't help me with this, and da 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 da. And it was just like I carried a lot of that resentment for her too. You know, she was just exhausted. And my mom played an extrovert, but she was totally an introvert. And so when she died, I lost my companion in the kitchen because she and I used to like work together in the kitchen. While all the guys were doing whatever guys do, not helping in the kitchen, you know. And I had a party at my house. It wasn't a party, it was just like a dinner. And I had my dad over, my brother in law over, my son, my nephew, my husband. And I was standing in the kitchen all by myself. And so it's like me and five guys. And I felt the loss of my mom like oh gosh she's not here like I'm doing this all by myself and then I realized like oh my mom's not here I don't have to I don't have to use china or special plates I just used paper uh plates and utensils and everybody was just fine with it and it was that where I learned like some things stay in your life because they should but having to force things when they're just not there, like that that will just make you crazy, you know. So yeah, it, her death was like eye-opening about how much women do for men and how much, um, you know, my dad had never done laundry, you know, it like, he was <laughs> wow, he was like, it laundry just never ends. And it was like, no shit, dad, where you been? (laughs) Like, um, so Uh I got to see really how doing everything for everybody else enables them not to have practice taking care of themselves. And ultimately, I realized that, like, my mom didn't teach us how to take care of her. And so she didn't set up boundaries. And so I. I have been actively learning how to set boundaries and not tolerate things that don't serve me anymore. Snaps to that. (sighs) Um, That's like
0: lineage healing right there.
1: Yeah. Well, the crazy part is on my dad's side of the family, I'm the first girl in three generations. And so I like brutally honest, you know, uh, I'm a Leo. So I came to like mess shit up here. And like I was raised with men. So, yeah, it just really made me evaluate like how much power women really do have and how we're all kind of just like fighting the patriarchy within our homes. And
0: Ooh. Yeah, I really hear in your story just like the story of your family and the generations before about like pretty strict gender roles and how that definitely didn't serve your mother in the ways that you see it and and the the beliefs and like ways of being that you've inherited. And I find it interesting that you have a son. Yeah. And like, and you two are very close. I love when you share your relationship with him on Instagram. It makes me so, it makes me want that (laughs) makes me want that. And I'm wondering, yeah, how this has sh- because because I hear you being annoyed in the kitchen alone with all the men in the other room doing what men do. Yeah, and what you said, and it's like, what are you sharing with Cooper? What are you showing him with your grief, or with, or is it just natural? I don't know if it's like um, something you're taking him aside and saying, or just or embodying to do it so that he learns how to be a man differently.
1: Yeah, well, kids learn. Just by experiencing. So, um, he had nine years with my mom. So he, she lives on through him in a lot of ways. And so that's been a real gift in this journey. But I keep her alive for him because she's still alive in my life and in my heart. And I channel her through my work. And so I know that it's important for your kids to understand that we all have feelings and we all love differently and i don't try to pretend that i'm not grieving when i'm not grieving and i i have shared with him like hey you know yeah i'm having a hard day and i don't think my mom tried not to indulge her grief around us like um she pretended like everything was fine and we just assumed everything was fine. And then, like I said, it was like that resentment of like, you know, I learned that people don't know what you're going through unless you tell them. Yeah. And so um, I think that what's really important to me and in this world is to help my son be versed in emotional intelligence uh, to understand where that his feelings are coming from what is anger you know how do you deal with anger just be clued in and by sharing that, I see that he his empathy is growing you know so that's what I'm really concerned about um with him in this world having a son and Men not being allowed to have feelings has been so disastrous for our civilization, so yeah, I think he needs to understand how they're important and how how to work with them properly uh, and i I guess I model that through my own grief and you know doing something with my feelings and honoring my mom in little ways, you know, like making a little altar to her or. Making one of her recipes, um, keeping her alive for him is really like how I remembered a mom myself, you know, like I can't neglect myself because I want to be around him as long as possible. I had my mom until she was 71. I was 38 and that's it. Like, I would like to see my kid turn 40. So, um yeah, it's just. Her death has been a lesson of like, if you don't take care of yourself, like nobody really is going to take care of you, so you have to figure out how to do it. And also, like back to the whole child thing, I really think that um, my lesson with seeing the men in my life being nurtured and cared for by women, I want my kid to learn how to do that for whoever he's with. That. You know, it's like relationships go both ways and you care about somebody both ways and you work together and you're healthy together, you know?
0: Yeah, that's big.
1: Yeah. But, you know, like taking care of yourself is hard. Like
0: So hard.
1: Just going to the doctor or the dentist, you're like adding so many steps to your life that's already complicated and... My mom's attention span was all over the place. So, um, it's where I get that from. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like nobody's going to call the doctor or the dentist for me. Um I've had to learn how to do it for myself and my child and it takes a lot of practice. And when you're grieving, it it's like a million times harder to take care of yourself.
0: Yeah, I'd love to dive deeper into grief itself yeah and the learnings you've had around that uh because i know it's been helpful to you and so much of like your community your greater community i include myself in that for you to share your grief process uh which was a coping mechanism for yeah. you particularly i'm realizing now how radical it was in a family system of like stuff it down
1: yeah and oh, don't yeah. show it
0: and that, well, yeah. yeah,
1: and like literally eating, like eat it, stuff it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And so I'd love to know whatever feels right to share around, yeah, maybe in those early days and how it evolved in the ways that you came up with, like, I'm going to share this. And then just the ways you would just be like, grief is weird. Here's a weird thing that's happening today. Yeah, what do you, what feels true to share about that? Because I, the reason I really want to invite you into this, which I know you are with me on this mission, is we live in such a death phobic, grief phobic society. Yeah, but such a birth seed planting, excessively celebrating society. But it's like they're both sides of the same coin, and we need to normalize it. And that's what you're doing. So, well, it, yeah. it's a
1: hard truth. You know, we go on Instagram. For a whole bunch of reasons, mostly like dopamine hits, right? And to be in a space where uh, the algorithm wants you to play a certain way. I just, I decided to run with it because it was my truth. It's like nobody can disprove my situation because I'm in it and I'm experiencing it. So I felt like I could be real that way because I know that other people understood what i was going through and then it was great because the more that i shared weird things that happened like i would hear other weird stories and then um my hashtag keep grief weird was like filling up with other people's grief stories and so it made me feel less alone i felt really alone within my family when I was grieving because I didn't know how much I could get away with not having my shit together.
0: Yeah. Right. You know, right, like, like family grief story. Yeah. And if you divert from the family grief story.
1: Yeah. And also like in my relationship with my husband, like I was the one who experienced the first loss of a parent and that Is tough, you know, I didn't, I did not know what I need. I still am figuring that out um, without my mom, but your husband cannot replace your mom. (laughs) That's just like, nobody can replace your mom. And so um, my life has been really like piecing aspects of my mom together through like many different people, if that makes sense. Um, So my grief really open my eyes up to just the bs that goes on in life you know like faking holidays and faking that everything's fine and uh the month of mother's day you just get bombarded with this bs and it's not just people who've lost their moms it's people who have shitty relationships with their moms or dads for like father's day and all that stuff i feel like what I learned the most with grief is that you can grieve somebody who is alive. And that was like mm. that was the most eye-opening thing. You can grieve losing your dreams and like abandoning a part of your career, you know, or different aspects of your, your life are so filled with grief. So what became important to me was just to let other people know that i'm not into faking this right now and yeah i'm going through tough time and thank you for supporting me through the muck because it's really ultimately about connection you know that's why people follow each other <laughs> so yeah i i Wanted to shine a light on the darkness of losing somebody or losing a thought, an idea, a hope, a dream. Um, And I think we're all collectively losing what we thought our future was going to look like. And in my future, I thought I was going to have a mom, you know. And so it's just been this like journey to find out who I am without a mom and what sustains me and nourishes me without her and how I can do that myself.
0: Well, thank you for expressing that.
1: Thank you. So openly. I, thank you for I listening. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. I'm, you're such a creative person. You, I mean, if you could see everyone, this beautiful office I'm in and I was in it like maybe a year and a half ago and it's completely different. Oh it's yeah. Constantly changing and 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 so, right. And when I met you, you were like, you were a food blogger. Yeah. I met you because you co-led um, a- food, A workshop. Food styling photography workshop. Because that's when I was like, just getting into blogging when I was the dabblest a whole other lifetime ago for both of us. Yeah. And then you you went through so many things, not just the loss of your mother, but how has your creative life and work
1: changed? In these last five years, it's changed a lot. I shifted from the focus being on food to the focus being on time. Yeah. And that really time and reflecting on time and on my website, I have this column that I've done for 11 years called my everyday life. And I post about 40 photos of the week and I've done it for 11 years straight. It was like a three. you never five- ever missed a week? No, there's like one week that's kind of glitchy, but I think it's because I, the SEO was messed up. I had put the (laughs) wrong week in, but no. Did you do the week your mom died? I did. Yeah. Week 47. So we're going to link to it. Yeah. So it, when she died, I became so like hyper aware of time, you know, like because I had done that art project for so many years, I had an understanding of like, what week 11 is like, what week four is like, you know,
0: week 13. And so
1: when she died, it was like week 47. And every year it's like, oh my God, week 47 is coming up. Yeah. And when I look at, I'm really glad that I took the time and was consistent enough in this project to have like so much data from my life. It's been rewarding and like the part about grief being weird is like sometimes I'll just like open up a week on my blog and there'll be like a message from my mom within that week or I'll see like wow. um, her hands or I'll see something, you know. It's just so random like that. Um, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Okay. Well, first of all, I love that sort
0: of like mom oracle practice yeah. you have. That's really beautiful. I was asking how your work has changed. And oh, you yeah. Your relationship.
1: With yeah. Time. So it's um more about what really brought me into food blogging in the first place was my photography. I was trained in photography and graphic design. And I am Italian and I love food. And when I started my blog, it was really more of like a creative project that way of like being accountable to taking f- pictures of food. You know, you eat at least three times a day (laughs) if not more so it was like sort of a no-brainer to me and you know like live journal all that stuff I was super into that so yeah food just was something that I can consistently practice and I was interested in like making a home and figuring out how to feed myself and my husband and then my child and so I shared that and just recipes to get through the week, like easy gourmet stuff. But when I, um, when my mom died, I just, time became more important to me. And I just realized like, you know, it was my mom's greatest hits that like, she repeated the same dishes constantly, which was super annoying, but that's what made me feel so comforted by her is like knowing that, my mom's meatloaf or, you know, my mom's like baked spaghetti was so special because we had it so often. And so when she died, I kind of leaned heavily into these things that I could do without thinking. And I realized like, yeah, it may be repetitive to have chicken or whatever, but I'm at least creating some type of like tradition and ritual within my own family that like Hopefully, maybe one day my child will ask me for, you know, a certain recipe because he wants to make tacos in his first apartment, you know. So, yeah, time and tradition and really, like, I did not want to keep pumping out content when I did not feel like cooking. And I barely felt like eating anything other than cereal. So the past four years of my blog have really been like – you. Utilitarian food. Like, what do you eat when you just want to raid your pantry? Or, you know, what do you eat when you have to feed yourself and everybody else is like out doing sports? You know, it's just a different way of thinking. And my life would be so different if I had my mom in it because I would probably be entertaining more. Like, food just doesn't make sense to me in the way that it used to, you know? Yeah. I feed picky eaters and it can be just like a real joyless yeah. situation. So now it's just like got to get food on the table, got to feed, got like, to gotta be healthy, got to make sure nobody's going to complain or else I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. Um, that's how food is for me now. Yeah. And another thing, I just felt really bad about perpetuating this idea that we're <coughs> supposed to be like – Making new recipes constantly. Uh, We're inundated with so many recipes online now, and it's overwhelming. And maybe it's cool to try a recipe like once a month or whatever, but really, like, do not stress yourself out over like coming up with a new chicken dish and having to shoot it. It just felt stupid and disingenuous to keep feeding this, like, algorithm beast that I it didn't feel right to me oh yeah I can map that right to like the (laughs)
0: capitalist you know productivity growth obsessed culture that we like the water we swim in especially being a new mom myself like first of all repetition is soothing to the nervous system totally second of all like we were never supposed to be like your poor mother was put in a shitty position. We're, we're never, we're, we're not supposed to be running our own homes alone.
1: No. You know? Uh-uh. And so
0: this belief that we have to have all this new food and we have to impress, like, I'm sorry, we're not chefs in
1: the restaurant being paid for it. Right. Yeah. We are not
0: being paid for it. So, yeah. and I get that. that and was and who's going to clean up? Yeah. Like exactly. who cleans it up? You know, I think it's, I'm so happy you embodied that shift because it's so permission giving. And you like get, you get the deeper message here. And that's so key. That's a gift from this whole experience. Yeah.
1: I feel blessed to have a level of understanding and knowledge through this experience that I would have never had if I didn't go through it. Um, So that's why when I look at old photos or like refer back to life before November, 2017, that's why I feel so disconnected from that person because I feel like I've leveled up spiritually that like, there's a lot of things I would not tolerate that I tolerated back then.
0: I feel that. Yeah. (laughs) How do you feel about pumpkin pie now?
1: Oh, um, I love pumpkin pie. Like that was really tough for me. It took me a year to eat it again. It was just like, there's a whole story behind it. Every year for Thanksgiving, my mom used to make an extra pie and give it to like the homeless shelter. She would give it to St. Vincent de Paul and we would volunteer there um, some of our Thanksgivings as well. So there was always that connection of like making pie and the night before she ended up in the hospital, I had talked to her on the phone, and she wasn't feeling well and she was like, "I'm gonna make pumpkin pie and i I told her, I was like, "Don't stress yourself out like I can easily make it. I have the ingredients um if you're not feeling well, just rest and my dad found her like she had made the filling, and it didn't get finished and so it was like this it was Such a bittersweet thing because my mom essentially died, you know, doing something so beautiful for our family and others. So, you know, like she had gone to Costco the night before and like all the stuff in Costco was like still in the car. Like she had stocked up for my dad, you know. I don't know if she knew something was up, but she, yeah, it was just food And grief go hand to hand, you know. I feel very fortunate that my mom is a very disorganized person, but uh, the one thing that she was super organized in before she died was her recipe binder. So I feel so touched that she put the effort in that um, because it's like a magic spell book for me. Like I can go back to it and then and just see like – You know, like recipes she wanted to try, recipes she loved. And there's what's really, really sweet is in her binder, there are recipes from my blog that she printed out. And even like old, (laughs) old emails, like I had emailed her asking her for like the carnival slaw recipe. And I had like an email from her that was printed out in it. (laughs) It was really cute. So um yeah food and grief they are wrapped up in each other you know yeah it's life force it's our nourishment
0: do you think of her every time you have pumpkin pie
1: uh of course yeah yeah or i just see see the word pumpkin pie like on a menu it's just like uh, i th- i think of that and profiteroles she loved cream puffs yeah um and anything with beets in it
0: you know, I think of you every two days before Thanksgiving. You too, it, because I remember it. Like it's the ripple effects of these moments. Like we are all so intimately connected. Yeah, like, I remember very, very. Sp- I specifically remember these moments that you shared on Instagram or like a text. A text with you, like I'll. It's it's the ripple effects.
1: Yeah, that's probably the most satisfying part of sharing my vulnerability is just to hear that feedback of like, you know, my mom died three months ago and I wouldn't have known how weird grief is or what the process looks like um, if you hadn't shared. Sometimes people will be like, I have a really shitty relationship with my mom, but you've helped me appreciate being around her because she's really triggering, but I know that, like, it could be gone in an instant. There's so many stories that I hear like that, and my mom loved that kind of stuff. She loved connections, and she loved the ripple effect. So I know she's a part of, like, working that magic, and, you know, when she's something was like a coincidence or she would call it a coinky dink, but she would always go like do 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 like the Twilight Zone. So there's just like crazy weird connections that happen. Signs happen all the time, all of it. And I feel very fortunate that I can connect with other people through that. It really hurts when somebody's like, oh my God, I just lost, you know, this relative or whatever, but I also am like, I know how that feels. It's so important for you to take care of yourself right now. And like grief has its own timeline and don't rush through it, you know, be gentle with yourself. Um, You're like, welcome to the club. I got you. Yeah. 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 It just makes sense, you know? And if you can show people that realness then they can access that realness within themselves and that's a real gift you know um the love that you had for somebody doesn't go away it just gets morphed into something else
0: beautiful i'm wondering if you could share her full name here so oh sure
1: um beverly annette germanich Um, everyone called her Bev or Bev, or Beave, the Beeve. We found out that, I don't know, like many years ago that Beverly translates into beaver meadow. And so <laughs> like we- Like the d- old Anglo-Saxon. Yeah. Um, my husband's um, grandfather is named Beverly too, which is kind of wild. So yeah, it's a beaver, you know, my mom. Um, so like, that's sort of like her totem when I see a beaver-
0: Always working, always yeah, moving. Yeah, like
1: if you type the word damn on your phone, like D-A-M, a beaver will pop up. Um, oh, like an emoji? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, hi, mom. <laughs> yeah, and it happens. You know what's also weird? Whenever I type, okay, so her name's Bev. Whenever I type the word because, and like sometimes I can really feel her presence, she'll take over my phone sometimes, and it will be like, it will say Bev cause. Yeah. Um, it's real creepy. <laughs> Yeah, she she's around, um, Beverly, the beeve. She haunts wow. me in a good way. She's around. Well,
0: thanks, Bev. Bev. Thanks for hanging Bev-y. around with us today.
1: Thank you, Mom.
0: Thank you, Tracy.
1: Thank you, Becca. I appreciate you.
0: Thank you so much for joining me. In a time when our attention is being pulled in so many different directions, it means a lot that you took time out of your day to spend it with me and in these important conversations. For show notes and links and more information about my guests, you can head to belongingpodcast.com. And if you'd like to hear more from me and get access to my free newsletter called Slow and Seasonal, you can head to beccapiastrelli.com slash subscribe.